Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this season, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every single goddamn page in a trio of adventure modules for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes RPG, starting with Adventure MT1, All This and World War II. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. All This and World War II was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 44 of All This and World War II. We are at the tail end of our hero's raid on Castle Vladistopol in Romania. This is one of two locations where they thought that the Nazis might be hiding a superweapon stolen from the future. This turned out to be the place, but before our heroes could find the superweapon, they made the classic tactical error of walking down a long hallway, and, like their compatriots in East Prussia, were punked out by Shift-X knockout technology. They awoke inside a secret flight deck inside the castle before two huge metal doors, which they mysteriously didn't notice from outside the castle, and all of these little liberties that the author took are because the author really, really, really wanted a big fight on this flight deck. I've been salty about this for a couple of pages, I'm going to be salty about it again tomorrow, but today all we have is a full-page illustration of our heroes in a big damn fight with some Nazis on the flight deck, and I just can't be angry today. First of all, this is a reprieve from the story, uh, which is barreling along with infuriating indifference to logic or player choice, and secondly, because it's just a big superhero fight, what's not to like? But thirdly, and this is what I want to talk about today, while this illustration has its flaws, it's so off-base in certain ways that it's kind of charming. This illustration isn't too different from others we've seen throughout the book, where it seems like the author was drawing from a rough idea of what was going to happen in the module and only the bare minimum sense of who these characters are. Like, the illustration where Vision is backhanding the captive in the interrogation scene is an example of that. Like, physically, that's an action Vision can take. I can imagine a story where Vision would do that. But just out of context, as an illustration in a game book, it's drastically out of character. This page is more concretely off than that, and that kind of brings it around to being fun. Let me start in the middle of the page today with Baron Blood, who is recognizable as Baron Blood, but is way off model. First of all, it doesn't look like he's wearing a mask. It looks like he just has a bald head with giant bat ears. I think that's an illusion created by the fact that Vision is shooting eye beams past his head and they're concealing the lines of the mask. But nonetheless, like the expression, the proportions, it's all just off. Meanwhile, Above and behind the hunched over Baron Blood, we see Hawkeye diving down on Baron Blood in this like diving double foot stomp. He's coming from way up. He's like standing upright in the air with all these motion lines behind him. I know that Blood and Zemo allowed the Avengers to keep all their shit and didn't unmask them, didn't even restrain them when they brought them to the flight deck. But for Hawkeye to be jumping down from that high up, he must have a sky cycle with him. That service from a supervillain, that's the extra mile to not only not tie you up, at the heart of their evil plan, but to like wheel your sky motorcycle behind you while you're unconscious and park it next to you. So when you wake up, you'll have literally everything on your character sheet. A plus wonderful Nazi accommodations here at historic castle Vladistopol. But yeah, he's diving down on Baron blood and his little loincloth is swooping up in the air from the air resistance. And he's got this bulbous bulge under there. I have to say, I've been a fan of Hawkeye for a long time. I mean, I tease him, but he was one of my favorites when I was a kid. Perhaps because I've known him since I was a child, I don't know. I've never really thought about what's underneath the loincloth. But the answer on this page? Huge if true. If this is accurate, this bulge is the best kept secret in the annals of superhero dick. 
Or maybe it's just the weird shading. I don't know. All this stuff is very sketchy and shaded, strangely. Like Namor. Namor's over on the right. If not for a process of elimination and the fact that he is naked except for wrist gauntlets and little shorts, I would not recognize this as Namor. It's not that his ears are definitively not pointed, but they're so sketchy you can't tell. His facial expression, his body shape do not resemble Namor whatsoever. Tigra's in the background taking down a Nazi. It's hard to go so far wrong on Tigra that she doesn't look like a tiger woman, but her combat style doesn't seem quite right. I would expect to see her clawing somebody or like pouncing on somebody. Uh, here in the illustration, she seems to be doing a peculiarly balletic version of a shining wizard knee to a Nazi soldier. And that's really the key to why I'm kind of giving this page a pass, even though I'm technically going to call these characters being off model the dumbest thing. This isn't the Tigra that I know, but I'm not displeased. I mean, I've seen a lot of Tigra in comics. What I have not seen is someone perform a ballet-style Shining Wizard on a Nazi soldier. The stuff on this page isn't exactly what I ordered, but I'll definitely eat it. And there's no better example of that than Union Jack. Union Jack, over in the background, on the left-hand side of the page, he's standing there, arms above his head, absolutely fucking ripped. Union Jacked, more like, these muscles, it's unbelievable. There's like a Rob Liefeld thing happening in the background with Union Jack's chest and his shoulders. And above his head, he is holding, it's hard to tell in all the tangle and all the shading, but certainly no fewer than three full-grown Nazi men. They're just in his hands above his head. Union Jack is not remotely this strong. And that's the fun here. This is almost like a mini what-if on this page, because these characters are so off-model. You know what they remind me of? They remind me of bootleg action figures. You know who they're supposed to be, but the errors and the imperfections just make them fresh again. There's not very much else to say about this page. It's, it's all fucked up. Like, the big flagpole with the Nazi flag is depicted outside the room, when in the box text it's a big plot point that it's inside the room and the door is on the other side. Everything doesn't quite match, but who cares about that? I'm in a good mood. I like this page. I'm just going to wrap up with some bootleg action figure names for the characters depicted on this page, who may resemble West Coast Avengers and Invaders, but are demonstrably not West Coast Avengers and Invaders. Starting on the left-hand side, this big motherfucker holding the Nazis above his head, the Union Jack is visible, albeit just among all the shading, so his name has to be England-themed in some way, so we're going to call him Swole Britannia. And unlike Union Jack, he's super strong, always spoiling for a fight. I just realized something, because I noticed that the eyes depicted here are like two separate white eyes, which is correct for Union Jack. Back a couple of pages ago, when we saw the illustration of all the West Coast Avengers huddled, having inter-party strife while Hawkeye talked to the NPCs, the Union Jack in that image has one big opening, big enough for both eyes in his mask, like Storm Shadow. So he was off model back there too. Same artist, same section. But anyway, who cares? That was Union Jack. This is Swole Britannia. You see how freeing this is. Right above him, more in the foreground, uh, we got the guy doing the big double stomp onto Baron Blood's back. Now, if this were Hawkeye, I would mention that this double stomp to the back is going to be useless against Baron Blood. And that's a particularly glaring error from Hawkeye, the only member of the team who has at hand many wooden objects that he has the strength and agility to put through Baron Blood's heart if he would attempt that rather than trying to dropkick him like Captain Kirk. But this isn't Hawkeye. Just look at that package. A man with a package like that wouldn't be so threatened by Captain America. A man with a package like that would not be so craven that he would be estranged from his wife for reasons that we won't get into here because we're actually going to be talking about it in the next supplement. But suffice it to say, as canon stands at the time of this 1989 publication, Hawkeye's rap sheet of dickhead behavior is about as damning as it's ever going to be. Anyone can be good. Anyone can be a creep. But among creeps, these are the actions distinctively of a small dicked creep. That's my opinion. That's not what we have here. What we have here is a brand new superhero, High Heel. 
That's what the H on his head stands for, high heel. He can jump real high, and he can stomp on you with his heels of steel. Otherwise, why would he be jumping onto a vampire's back? There is no other explanation. Maybe you think high heel is a little weak. I have an alternate for this one. He's a superhero named Horsecock, whose penis is incredibly heavy, like White Dwarf Star, like the Atom, Ray Palmer, when he would land on people with extra weight and density. But his penis is too powerful, and that's why he's got the little loincloth part of the outfit. It's to shield his allies and the innocent from its power. Only in battle does he unleash its full might, leaping with its immense weight upon the backs of vampires, werewolves, evil scientists, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who you are. It's too big. It's just too big. That's what all the villains say. He hits them, they scream, it's too big, and then they vanish every time, like a weird season of Sailor Moon. Moving to the right, we have the character with the cape, swooping down, shooting eye beams at Baron Blood. He's coming down from the sky at a real steep angle. His cape is nearly vertical, flapping in the air. I might question the physics of this, if this were being flying by means of low density, such low density that he is effectively intangible, but who said anything about intangibility? This isn't some adventure-wrecking killer ghost robot. This is Cape Hero. Cape Hero, renowned for his generic superhero silhouette and his total lack of interesting physical features. Cape Hero! Does he have heat vision? He sure does. Does he wear a cape? You bet. Does he wear boots and underwear on the outside? Yes and yes. Is he Superman? No. No. He's Cape Hero. Moving down from Cape Hero way in the back, we see the woman with the big fluffy hair and the bikini, and you can just make out a sort of tiger stripe design on her legs, and she's kneeing a Nazi in the face. She is Sexy Cat. Now I know what you're thinking. Where's the creativity? Where's the panache? Where's the pun? Sexy Cat? Yes, Sexy Cat. It has to be Sexy Cat. First of all, I want to point out, I don't know if Hawkeye has a giant dong or shiny pants. I don't know if Namor has pointy ears. I don't know if Baron Blood has a mask on, because this illustration is too sketchy and weirdly shaded. But Tigra is in the far background, and I can see her cleavage. We have to honor that in her name. We at least have to mention that she's sexy or that she's a woman. It's clearly important to her to make at least one of those things clear. That's why she fights evil in a bikini. At the same time, tiger stripes on her legs, tiger stripes on her arms. You can't leave the feline part out of the equation. So there are only so many options. Catwoman is taken. Catgirl is taken. Tiger Lady, taken. Cat lady, totally different connotation. Titty kitty? It's pretty good, but we're trying to sell these toys to kids. Listen, I've been a just preteen boy. And let me tell you, that demographic, highly interested in action figures of characters that they would jerk off to. However, if you call her titty kitty on the packaging, that's not going to fly. Boys in this demographic simply cannot purchase and bring home an action figure whose package says titty kitty. Now you could sell a lot of titty kitties to the uh, sad figurine man crowd, but they don't buy bootleg action figures. They buy like anime figurines and erotic busts. Before I forget them, way up high, past even Cape Hero, in the far distance, chasing some kind of saucer vehicle, is a flaming individual, extremely ill-defined. You can't even tell that this person is supposed to be sort of made of fire, the way that Human Torch or Toro are. So I'm actually going to exercise my option to say, in this what-if scenario, that isn't even a superhero. That's somebody who either flew or was thrown up to the saucer and got hit by one of the saucer's mysterious alien weapons, and it set them on fire. Because there is no indication that that's a superhero. That looks like a victim to me. I don't expect you'd find a character like this in a set of bootleg action figures, but if you did, it would be a generic figure. A victim. Burned man. Charred body. Something like that. Maybe not charred body. Let's save that for if Swole Britannia ever gets fire powers and needs to rebrand. He can be charred body. Finally, over to the right of Sexy Cat, we have a shirtless man in some manner of trunks or underpants. All I can see is just vague 
cross-hatching, but he's definitely not wearing full pants and he's definitely not wearing a shirt. He's definitely got wrist gauntlets on, he's got black hair, he's got a stoic expression, and he's punching out Baron Zemo, who actually does look like Baron Zemo, because it's hard to get off model with Baron Zemo. There are a lot of landmarks. You know, he's got a golden crown, a full face mask, spotted fur detailing, vertical stripes, and that's all above the shoulders. So that's Baron Zemo for sure. But who is that punching out Baron Zemo? Other than the fact that he's wearing nothing but his sea panties, and the fact that he is obviously a lover of bracelets, this guy has nothing in common with Namor the Submariner. He could be a pro wrestler. He could be some kind of circus strongman. He could be some kind of Olympian deity. All I know is he is definitely this team's boring strong guy. So I'm going to call him Marvin Muscle, Namor the Submariner's dull other dimensional counterpart. Where Namor has his famous battle cry, Imperious Rex, Marvin has his famous battle cry, You there! Or perhaps, it's me, Marvin. I don't think Marvin wears sea panties. It's impossible to tell in this picture, but I don't think that those uh, little trunks, those little briefs are green and scaly. I think they're probably just a plain black, nothing showy. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a white M on the butt. Helvetica. The wrist gauntlets, I think, are a late addition to his costume, added simply because without them, it doesn't look like he's wearing his superhero costume. It looks like he forgot his superhero costume. When you're not wearing any shoes and you're not wearing any pants, you have to put something in your upper body just to make it look intentional, just to stop everybody being embarrassed for you. I think Marvin probably saw a consultant about this, and they probably asked a lot of leading questions about his values and his origin. I think if I had to guess, I think Marvin probably became very strong because of non-specific radiation and decided to fight crime because it seemed like the right thing to do. And that's all. His powers include strength. That's all of his powers. And that's also all of his interests, just strength. And so I think probably the costume consultant just brought out like some wrist gauntlets, some kind of broken chain motif, necklace or upper body wear, maybe some kind of big uh, championship belt style accessory. And Marvin being being the kind of guy who only buys black, gray and dark blue clothing, even on shopping trips, whose explicit purpose is to buy clothing in other colors, being that kind of guy, having come here to choose an accessory to make his costume pop, chose the least obtrusive most generic accessory, and the consultant washed his hands of him, and thus a legend was born. Marvin Muscles, he's a strong individual. Also, since the barren blood on this page has no visible vampiric features, I think he would be called Mr. Dragon. Anyway, that's that. Easy day. It's kind of dumb that the art doesn't match the action in the story or the characters it's supposed to represent, but who the hell cares? It's a good time. And speaking of a good time, join me tomorrow as we see if we can salvage one from the set piece this whole fucking railroad has been leading up to on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact the show however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Podbean, Gmail, Instagram, etc., etc. This episode's theme music is Robinson's Grand Entry March, performed by the United States Air Force Concert Band. Thanks for listening.